I mean, I've got more information, e bullet points this time, like kind of like dates and. When you were saying, I kind of don't necessarily want to include, but I was about to say, like when you were saying, like, oh yeah, I thought this might be a short one, and then you pulled out a piece of paper with like double the amount of notes as last week. It's going like, I don't think you understand the word short. Well, it's more that I grew up with Battle Angel Alita when we were doing that one. I grew up with it. I've read it. It's a publication that I also made a mistake last week. I said it was an '80s comic or a late '80s. It was actually the '90s. 90s. I was, I was 80s, a couple of years 90s. out. Yeah, I know. I was, I was a couple of years out. But 1990, I think, is when it started. Regardless, regardless of when. Don't worry. Anyone that's listening to this will certainly make a comment. Yeah, to the if, eight. If, if you if you allowed the comments to be made. To the eight people that uh, listened to it, of which I am probably three. Uh, <laughs> two of them. I apologise for my factual inaccuracies. I, I mean, still, you must hate you now. I do. I do. And I beat myself up and off every day over I it. I mean, there wasn't even a pause on the beat yourself up. No, I mean, yeah. Hi, you're listening to East of Adam West, the elephant graveyard of comics. I'm Cameron. I'm still here. So you did that one last still, time. Still, am I? You did that one last time. I did. Yeah, you're not fresh and funky anymore. No, no, I'm a repeater. Oh. I'm repeating it until it comes funny. Oh. I'm Anthony, repeating it till it's funny. Oh, speaking of repeating it till it's funny, my son is asleep downstairs. I slapped Stop my... beating the... Yeah, I know, but your foot is connected to the floor. No, I slapped my... Yeah, I, I know. my knee. But you have a pretty strong arm, given that one of the childhood stories I was told of you was that you went to someone's house and went to knock on their glass door and put your foot fist through it that's why you've got scars on your wrist it was an accident <laughs> i didn't even pivot that story to sound cool at a gothy age ago like yeah i cut myself no i just punched the window oh, by edgy. accident it's edgy oh god he can't deal with his emotions oh, no, no, he's, he's, he's just absolutely <laughs> no fucking sense of scale in terms of force applied to surfaces um yeah anyway cool so let's episode three Episode how do, we, how do we make it this far? I know. This is like, I wouldn't even call it, we're not even close to climbing the hump of getting close to well, something. Well, I think the main reason we're still going is because I still need to justify the cost of the secret Santa microphone present that I got, because that's some cheap shit right here. And I still have free upload space on SoundCloud before I've actually got to pay to put new content on yes. so let's use that up yeah let's fill it with anything let's not let's let's <laughs> let's dump all the shit we did beforehand which I love that you just click record yeah. because you know I'm I'm a guy that just will just dance for the record the yeah. red the red yeah. glowing light just shoot the breeze yeah shoot that breeze yeah yeah last time we focused on some pretty heavy topics, two signing mangas, one talking about a dark religious past in Berserk and then going on to a dark dystopian apocalyptic future, Battle Angel Alita, I where mean, you covered, what was it? Uh, Horizon. So, I mean like, yeah, we, we, we kind of going, going in, we're going like, hey, respect us. We like dark shit. Yeah, we're like edgy. New, we're, we're edgy. Like, we're, we're the like goths of the manga world. We're new DC, baby. That's what we are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. So anyway, we, we had a kind of serious take on the last two episodes. We're going to get a bit more lighthearted this time. A bit more lighthearted. Jokey, jokey. Yeah. Well, it's not so. It's not like farcical. Well, there is farce involved. But it's more tongue-in-cheek, poking fun of itself, but still all-round fun to read. So I'm going to be taking a look at a comic series 
called One Punch Man, which originally came out in 2009, but has gone through two different reincarnations and has become one of the most popular mangas of uh, the last decade. So it's well worth a read. Um, well, what are you going to look at? Well, what I bought, probably no one recognises. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you might recognise the author. Okay, so this is a self-published work of a guy uh, called Judd Winnick, and the book is called The Adventures of Barry Ween, Boy Genius. That does sound interesting. 2.0 is what I see there. Ah, 2.0 because that's the second volume I've got out wow, here. Wow, wow. That's, that does make sense. Two volumes. I know. Would you believe there's a third volume? Deep and reaching arc. And I only have those in comic form. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's. I, I came in at the late stage. Keeping it of real. This. Yeah, you're not. You're yeah. not a, a, a graphic novel fanboy. You like the uh, the dusty tones of the uh, single page flip throughs. So. One Punch Man is a shonen comic. Uh, so Sinon was the age bracket of 18 to 40. It had a grey blurred lines storytelling, a lot darker, a lot more adult material. Whereas shonen comics are designed for teenagers and such. Let's talk thing 14 to 18 or maybe slightly younger. It's got a much more idealized notion of the world. It still kind of delves into adult themes, but ultimately it's a lot more innocent. It's a lot more innocent and it's a lot more cleaner. Uh, so it's got these kind of big tropes, these big characters, the superhero ideal, the sword and sorcery ideal, and it's usually good versus evil, okay? Anyway, so, so so One Punch Man, One Punch Man. It's a it's a shonen manga. It's the tale of this character called Saitama. He's a fledgling superhero who can defeat pretty much any opponent with a single titular punch. He finds himself growing bored by the lack of challenge in his nigh on omnipotent power that's granted to him, and he's trying to trying to seek this and find this worthy opponent to test himself in his fight against evil. Now the story the story takes place in this 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 earth-like setting. Yeah, modern day earth-like setting, but it's it's more of a supercontinent of a world. It's not that the world is split up into different continents it's a Pangea. like ours. a Pangea of sorts. In, Pangea. in the the story never seems to travel to another world. It's just other cities. So you assume that they've just gone 20 miles down the road and there's another like massive city and these cities are massive. Think you know in Judge Dredd, yeah, the, the mega, mega cities. cities. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not saying that the rest of the world is this apocalyptic wasteland. No, it's, it's sprawling fields, it's lovely. There's, there's, but they seem to just have massive cities. There's something to be said from the little knowledge I have of Japanese works in fiction is that they have this very um, insular mindset. The characters will travel for fucking miles and miles and miles. Japan is a finite space. Yeah. It's got <laughs> islands as well, all right? And yet in Japanese stories, they'll travel fucking thousands and thousands of miles. They like an odyssey. Yeah, but it's the very insular mindset of going like, there is no other land than ours. The, the, you get a lot of Western stories where you can sometimes see different, the, the, they'll have characters coming up against, instead of cities, it'll be like, oh, this is a different country. Because Europe was broken up into a lot of nation states or a lot of countries. Europe was like a lot of different people in one finite small space. Mm. So you have a lot of European stories where people will meet a Spaniard mm. or meet a person from another city that is very different totally different culture type yeah, thing. Yeah, you don't really get that. Well, yeah. You don't get that in this series and I don't find you get it in a lot of other 
Japanese manga, it's almost like it, it, it's insular, much like the islands of Japan. Yeah. You know, it's it's Japan for Japanese. Not saying it's bad. I just wanted to bring that up as an interesting side no, note. No, 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 it is. It is. Anyway, so yeah, it takes place on this. Right, uh, Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> it takes place on this this Earth-like supercontinent of a world, and the main story kind of focuses on these massive mega cities. Now there are monsters and villains. Uh, super villains, weird, big-ass, Godzilla-esque monsters that cause strife to the populace of these different cities. And this this organization is created. There's this millionaire guy called Agoni who's who's created the Hero Association. This 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 bureaucratic system that employs superheroes to stop all the monsters and the villains that are going on in the world and they've got a class-based system a ranking system of sorts that goes from class c to class s class c being the lowest and class s being that super class and this character saitama he's an ostensibly unremarkable guy young guy probably late 20s who who, who trains so diligently that he becomes strong enough to defeat any enemy that he comes across with literally one punch so yeah that's the, that's the, that's the kind of the, the backup the build up to the, the the story itself that's the world yeah that's the world itself and the stories within these comics mm. um, are they story arcs or are they individual tales no like the story of the week well, it starts thing. off it starts off kinds of individual tales almost where you're just getting a flavour of the character and then it grows and it becomes these arcs which tease at the notion that he's finally finding this worthy opponent but he's always disappointed <laughs> or so far so far i mean it's pretty young it's pretty young in its writing so any or its life so it was originally created by this digital webcomic artist called he's literally just called one that's this persona like you know prince who changed himself to the symbol that's what he's referring to himself as and it was created in 2009 and it's still going i mean the original webcomic is still going and his artistic style is well, it's shit. Uh, he's not really a great comic artist, but what he is really good at is comic timing and storylines. They are fantastic. He's a writer, right? He is not an artist. He's a writer. He's also done uh, what's quite popular, Mob Psycho 100. That's what it's called. Is that a book or is that a style of something? It's it's no, it's it's a book um, which got turned into an anime. It's on Amazon Prime at the moment, but it's the same kinds of tongue-in-cheek parody and almost farcical look on instead of the superhero pastiche. It's psychics, sci-fi. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, there is two things at the moment. The series that I'm talking about, this digital manga remake of one's original 2009 run, is illustrated by uh, comic artist Yusuke Murata, and it began publication in a very popular kind of young person's comic book called uh, Shuisha Tanari No Young Jumps. It's on a website and it started in 2012. Is, it, is that like in one of those anthology books? Like in 2000 AD, it's got lots of different stories in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Under, under one publication. Yeah, yeah exactly. One, one exactly. So you see, yeah, you got it exactly. So when it was done in the West, Viz Comics have the Western publication, right? So they translated it to English. It wasn't Tokyo Pop. Okay. Cool. Oh, Viz, I think. I think, think, yeah, I hope so. Could be another apology later to happen. Viz Comics has the Western publication rights, they're the ones that can do the English translations. And then later, an, an, an uh, anime television adaptation was made by Madhouse um, in 2015. And they have kept 
the same kind of story, but they've had they've taken well, liberties with it. They've changed yeah. it. the artistic license. They changed it subtly. Different medium, telling a different type of tale, but exactly keeps the, keeps the tone. Exactly. So it, it's the same kind of idea, but it's going in an ever so slightly different direction. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 a good series, but it, it's fast corn itself. It's kind of taking a punch. It's taking a stab at the pastiche of the superhero, the cliche of the superhero. One, the original creator said that in terms of superhero comics, punching is oftentimes pretty useless against one's life's problems. But inside the One Punch Man's universe, he's made this character, Saitama, a sort of guy who was capable of adapting his life to the world that surrounded him, uh, only alarmed with this like immense power. And the only obstacle he really faces are the mundane things like running short of money or not having enough groceries or missing out on the voucher to be able to buy whatever it is from the shops that he wants. Real world problems, even though he's got this godlike omnipotent strength and power. That sounds actually a really good pastiche on life. That yeah. One, that, one on, that one thing will fix everything type yeah. concept. But it's, 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 it's really good. And there's a number of things that make it really good. The thing is, like, anything I've seen on it, and it's very cursory as well. Because I did buy you, like, a couple of the, a couple of the volumes. Yeah. Which I know you're not a big fan of manga, but I thought you might like, but I, I, I think I aimed it wrong at you. You did, you punched it in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Read this, enjoy it, you will like it. <laughs> no, it's like he came across slightly autistic in feeling. And I imagine that's probably the first two volumes and you get into, he, he has more depth later. But it came across as like, I don't know if this is taking the piss out of autism. It's, <laughs> it's not taking the piss out of autism. It's really highlighting that in this, in this world of superhero types with their cliched backstories and the reasons for being that are kind of larger than life, he's this everyday schlub. He's this mm. everyday Joe who's just trying to get by, but he still wants to be a superhero. And he's just normal. He's boringly normal. And that's where the kind of autistic reference kicks in because he doesn't seem to be reacting in the over stylized comic book way of like oh my god the villain is arriving i must do something to save the day you know that kind of captain kirk william shatner spoken yeah. poetry broken beat style but he's just he's just boring he's really fucking normal so like the this guy uh, what really makes it work is the original writer one's comedic timing blended with uh, Murata's beautiful art just really works well. It's funny, but it's also nice to look at and nice to reel. Um, so if I was going to come in at this, yeah, could I come in, pick up any book and read it? Or do I have to start from the beginning to get the story and get the tone? Or I'd, does I'd, it continue the tone all the way through? It doesn't say like, oh, you have to have read all this. To I'd get start from the beginning are. because you get a feel for this one punch guy and you get a feel for his kind of like, oh, life is just boring because there's no challenge for me now. And you also get a little bit of his backstory, but it's kept deliberately vague. It also grows because it's not just focused on this Saitama guy. The real story comes with the Heroes Association, all of the superheroes attached to that, his protege he gets at one point, and it's you've got so many other characters that it doesn't it doesn't just follow the linear path of his life and his development, it kind of goes sideways instead, and you learn about the world itself, the association itself, the people itself, and then Saitama's place in that. This, oh, go on. I was going to say, there's, there, there, from what I understand, and I do start a lot of sentences like that. Yeah. Uh, that is a kind of a very manga thing. We'll start off with one core concept and then we'll spread out 
sideways on it because he did that with Naruto as well. Yeah. There's one central character who is the be all and end all of our story, not the fighting or whatever, but like our story. Here's our central protagonist, and we'll lean everything on it. And then almost like on a random curve, they kind of go like, actually, no, we're going to tell you the world of this. But then we'll come back centrally to this person because we spent so much time at the start with it. Yeah, well, the thing is, with a lot of Japanese stories, they seem to have such long runs. I mean, when we were talking about Berserk and we were talking about Alita and there's a number of others, they go on for like 300 episodes, if not longer, 900 sometimes. That's what Naruto was. It went on for nine, almost like a thousand episodes and when you've got a story that drags on so long there's only so much you can make a character grow yeah no i i perfectly understand i'm just talking sometimes i mean that's the big difference with the western comics where you've got different writers and you've got different artists and they have their slightly different takes on these characters and they can be reinvented and they can just do the origin story again and again just tweak slightly different to the taste of the author when you've just got one writer mm, you know they obviously can't do that. It's, it, it, I think it all stems from effectively having one writer um, and having a long linear path of the story. One writer. Yeah, I know. I know. Keep coming back to it. Yeah. One. Anyway, anyway. That's so, the name, isn't it? It is. Yeah, the guy, the writer. It, that's himself. why it's funny. Yeah, I get it. I'm going to keep pointing that out. I'm laughing on the inside, although it's very difficult to recognise that digitally. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, any caps like you. <laughs> So anyway, 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 so what makes it good? What do I like about it? Um, the superhero ideal. It is fast coin itself, but the superhero ideal in the story is tainted by real world problems. They've got this they've got this class system of superheroes from the superhero association. But it's this bureaucratic system that's designed and controlled by governments to govern and control the superhero population. And because it's got this ranking system, it's created a very jaded, self-serving, elitist set of superheroes. Um, and it creates its own set of problems, such as uh, this hazing, if you will, of new potential superheroes coming in. Yeah. So you've got, you've got Class C, Class B, Class A, Class S. And starting at C, where most people are going to enter, there's obviously got its own hierarchy within its, within that own subset. Yeah. So let's say that there were 50 places, number one is going to be the top of class C, number 50 is going to be the bottom of it. Big people coming in. Yeah, exactly. Thing. People are going to try and consolidate their power and try and make other people feel worthless so that they can feel better about themselves. They call it newbie crushing. Any new person comes in, you have to put them in their place. Yeah. yeah. And there's rank elitism. So the higher up you are, if you're at the top of group C, anyone below you are going to think you're better than you. If you get to S rank, where there's only like 10 people in S rank, then you think you're effectively better than everyone. You should be, you are the cult of celebrity. You are, everyone should be doting in your hands and feet. You're diva, you're a diva. Do do the general population do this as oh, well? Oh yeah, yeah, they worship them. They worship them. Yeah. They, oh my God, it's, it's, it's such not, and such a person. Yeah. It's okay. big dick man. Oh, I love him. Oh yeah. So yeah. BD man. Yeah. Yeah, gotta love the BD. Anyway, so, there's other things. Uh, the satire, yeah, there's a lot of satire to it. It throws every convention in the superhero world and the storytelling formula associated with it, it, it just it kicks it straight out of the ballpark. It's gone, yeah, they don't like it. They focus on the idea of the titular character, what if he's got this godlike power? What if he is unbeatable? You know, mm. One Punch Man. What if he is unstoppable? And other comics have done the same thing, where they've got an overpowered superhero. The Sentry, Superman, Thor, 
uh, gladiator to a degree from yeah. the X-Men comics. Yeah? All of these characters in their own way are unbeatable pinnacles of power. Omega level. Exactly. But where you've got the likes of Thor that thinks he's got his own mandate to protect his sovereign world, the nine realms. Yeah. He's, he's the prince of power. He's looking after this thing. And you've got you've got Superman who is really just trying to seek acceptance in this adopted home planet that's yeah. taken him in, yeah? Saitama, the guy from One Punch Man, he's he's just really an unremarkable character. And he's just being a superhero for shits and giggles. He's doing it for fun. He's doing it to be a superhero for, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Out of yeah, I'll have a go. Out of college, don't know what you want to do. Oh, I'll get a job there. I'll see if that leaves me somewhere. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because um, he like, he's like a cipher for us, the audience, to kind of go like, yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do. Oh, yeah, if I had that one slightly better skill, I would do that then. I'd give that a try. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Okay. But he he's also... <sighs> The writer, one, he's he's trying to rip through these, like, you know, I mentioned it before, these cliched superhero truisms, these tropes, like the superhero backstory, yeah? Like, oh, I I, I crash-landed on a planet, and then I worked uh, uh, as an undercover reporter, or I was bitten by a radioactive spider, and such and such happened, yeah? yeah. And it, it deliberately pokes fun as that, because the character Saitama meets this cyborg character who is later to become his sidekick, his protege. Yeah. yeah. And the cyborg guy tries to, his name's Genos. He tries to give this this convoluted backstory saying like, at the age of 14, I was in a village and we were attacked by monster robots and they destroyed my family and my physical body was destroyed and this happened and this mm. happened. And it's this terrible backstory. In the end, you can see just Saitama's face dropping and he's getting bored and bored listening to so He just screams him going like, come back when you summarize what you want to say in one short and simple sentence of max 10 words. And that's it. And he just cuts him right through. Because he doesn't give a shit about all of this stuff. He's just like, I'm a superhero for fun. Why are, you, why are you doing these things? Yeah. So it pokes fun at those things. But it also, remember I was talking about the this weird bureaucratic system of the superhero class. Yeah. Um, it also tries to build up the superhero ideal. This Saitama guy, where all of the rest of them are doing it for prestige, for money, for sponsorship, all of that. He's doing it because he thinks a superhero should just do the right thing. He's doing it for fun because he wants to. So he's but cutting he's also, through the bullshit. It's pure. It's pure. Like his reason for doing it is pure. He's not doing it for rank. He's not depreciating it. He um at is one it? stage at one stage no one can believe that because he's like a C rank hero as yeah. far as the ranking system is concerned. Even though he's like the strongest superhero. On but the he has to start somewhere. You yeah, move up the rank. Exactly. And whenever he like defeats these like ridiculous monsters that come along, and he does that mm. quite often, no one believes it's him doing it. The general populace always puts it down to some other superior superhero that might have been in their neighborhood. Do people take advantage of that? People do take advantage of that. And at one point, he can see that one of these heroes is going to start even though he doesn't necessarily agree with these superheroes getting the acclaim that they do he also recognises the aspect of hope that it offers the general populace yeah okay. so the idea of the superhero might be stronger and more beneficial than the reality of the superhero and you can see that ideal that image of one of the superheroes about to get destroyed and he ends up taking the public's wrath on purpose for the destruction of the neighborhood because he's like, you know, his one punch has destroyed this monster. He's also like wiped out half the city you're doing. Yeah. It. But he takes on the wrath of the populace to maintain the ideal 
of the superhero and he doesn't mind if he's the victim in it and that's the kind of heroic aspect of it you know so right. he is trying to build up the superhero archetype and it's just it's, it's it's just it's just a really really good series that i enjoy and it's still going on and is there any chance that it's going to go down an avenue you think you might stop reading it i don't well it seems to be coming out at a very slow pace it comes out monthly it sounds like the writers. I mean, it says weekly shown in jump. I don't know if they're on a hiatus or something, but it's coming. I I can't remember when the last one came out. Series one of the animated series was on Netflix last year. I'm pretty sure series two is coming out soon, but they are not really far off the point that the comics are up to. So I think he needs to speed up a little bit. But I don't know if it's because he's working on multiple projects at the same time or he's sort of running out of ideas. I like the fact that he's taking taking his time over it, but I want more. But, but, want as more. A, but as a fan, you want more. I do definitely want more. It's it's gripping. It's very good. It's laugh out loud funny, but at the same time, it's going away from the farcical nature now and it's going on to a serious storyline. Still funny, but semi-serious. Do you enjoy that idea of it? Yeah, it's still gripping. It's still got its original intentions, mm. but it's just getting a bit deeper as a story in its own right. Yeah. Cool. And on that note, so tell me about your weenie. My weenie, my weenie, Thorberg. <laughs> so what I've got, talking of like kind of fun and slight pastiche on tropes and forms, uh, I've brought in the Adventures of Barry Ween, Boy Genius. So, this comic book uh, was published by Oni Press uh, originally in around 98, 99. I came to it in the early 2000s. So, is it an ongoing series or is it a closed series? No, no, it's closed series. A while ago. Closed series. So, this writer, Judd Wenick, wrote a series of newspaper panel comics. Well, like, like Garfield. Like, like a Garfield type thing called Frumpy the Clown. So, when you. For... Did you read Garfield? Does, okay. any, does anyone read Garfield? I don't know, but I always pictured Garfield as being a massive sociopath, if not psychopath. Yes, like, he's you know, like he's killed people. Oh yeah, they're cold dead eyes. Yeah. You go like whatever. I've somehow uh, been John, been reincarnated <laughs> as a cat. I've escaped God's judgment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so he he was writing humor comics for a while, humor comic panels humor newspaper comics and he elevate uh, moved on to then writing comic books okay and one of the books he wrote and drew himself is this Barry Ween Boy Genius so it's a humor based comic and the premise is this is a super genius mm. so this is in the 2000s when super genius kids was all the rage yeah and this is his kind of rebuttal to it because I look at it I look at the comic you got in your lap um, the first thing that springs to mind is or it makes me think of Dexter's Laboratory from uh, Cartoon Network exactly these are very earnest it was very popular in the yeah. Nautics, yeah. very earnest kind of like these are just super genius and they get on with the world well Judd Winnick's take on that is a super jaded pissed off at the world just wants to be left alone to be a super genius but he's a kid okay so he's got a best friend called Jeremy of Hispanic descent and they bring up taking the piss out of him being Hispanic in a white neighborhood as really? well really it's a nice little Judd a lot of references to yeah. cleaning people's pools or no just just little things you're like your mother really moved in with this guy uh 
and moved you know your mother moved in with this white guy and you call him dad yet you're like I don't call him dad yet <laughs> little jokes I mean yeah. again the, the Judd Winnick is of Hispanic descent so he's taking the piss out of himself being that hyperactive kid okay. and his best friend is this hyperactive child but a hyperactive best friend when you're a super genius he's going like don't fucking touch that button yeah, so I told you don't touch that oh, yeah. so he's the DD of the uh... yeah all right, just, in, I'm going to stick with the Dexter's laboratory comparison, even in though essence. it's probably ruining. <laughs> no, no, no. So the books are there are like three volumes or three runs of printings on the story, and the first volume is three comics. Second volume, I think, is three or four comics, and then the fourth volume is a longer story of six comics. Okay. And the first two volumes are each individual storylines. It's all centered around something that fucks up in uh, the lab or someone does something to fuck up this environment that Barry has already created. Mm. So in the second volume, it's more taking the piss out of certain tropes. Like first issue is taking the piss out of an alien encounter. Second issue is a time travel one. And it's all and it's all kind of pastiche. You're going like, what would a super genius do? Or how would they look at this? trope of time travel or an alien coming down and you've got and you've got the our avatar is Jeremy his best friend who's going like oh this alien crash landed and Barry's going like yeah I've already communicated with aliens they're fucktards let's not help him and he's going like no this is my E.T. have you not seen E.T. and he's going like crying for fuck's sake if you just leave me alone we will bring him into the into the house we'll fix him up turns out this alien is an is a is a bookie who's basically run off with the mobster's money and they go like you you fucking brought a mob war to my house <laughs> so they go like and jeremy's going like but he's et we've got to save him reese's pieces type there and barry's going like what the fuck is this you such a fu oh you're fucking 12 years old no you're eight years old aren't you i'm eight years old but i'm a fucking super genius so because he's a super genius he's kind of figured out everything already he's done everything nothing's nothing's new to him so yeah and 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 he gets harangued into doing these things that he's already like uh, tired of by his best friend. Yeah, and but it, but the great thing about it is his best friend keeps him real. Okay, yeah, he's, With, he's a reality check to him. Yeah, he grounds him, yeah. and there's great little touches of humanity that you can see. Like as great as you are as a person, as smart as you think you are, you have to have an emotional anchor, and they have that like to be your best friend or this. The crush he's got with this girl in school because it sounds very similar to the idea of Rick and Morty where you've got Rick Sanchez who's oh Rick and Morty totally ripped the, yeah, ripped, the, yeah. ripped off Barry Ween perfectly mm. I mean I mean it might be slightly different comedic style but the premise the notion of it is like you can see yeah. distinct parallels Barry Ween and Rick are virtually the same characters yeah. like super jaded with the world they just want to be left alone to be their super scientist I think the world is no surprise for them other than when everyone else fucks up and fucks up what they're doing okay and the thing is like it's a cartoon that's the best way to describe it it's, it's cartoonish in its nature like oh I don't know how to escape this guy like oh, I've just built a jetpack oh let's just fucking fly over oh so it's got the um, Deus Ex Machina there's always something there's always something to get out the but 
it plays about with that. Like when they travel back in time, they go through this portal that basically drains the batteries that they would use to just use this jetpack to get back to this portal. And yeah. they're like, well, we can't. We've landed back in the old west where there's no fucking like power. I've got rocket fuel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I've got this solar panel energy thing, but I can't just lay it out to get energy. I've got to go find a place where I can displace the the light on it. Let's go find a riverbed. Yeah. And they, you know, like so there is a Deus Ex Machina, but they have to do something to get to it. Okay. And then they interact with people, and it's a little bit kind of. So the story's in the journey. Yeah, yeah. They interact with the like old townships like that, and Barry Ween goes like to Jeremy, going like, "Just tell people you're Russian." And <laughs> like, why? Why would I tell them Russian? Because you're in the old west. You're a Mexican descent. These people are fucktards. They don't know what a Russian person is, mm. but they, so they definitely, the but they definitely fucking hate Mexicans. They don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's great little kind of tidbits of that. It, I said it's it's a writer's book. Yeah. And the so is it illustrated the, by him as well? Or is it separate it's illustrated? written and illustrated. It's very cartoonish. Oh, that's unusual. For, I can see. It's yeah, cartoonish yeah, it's, in nature, and the art doesn't really change at all in all the different volumes. Yeah. And so it's I believe it's the same publisher, Oni Press, which we will get on to how much I love Oni Press. Yeah. But is Oni I, Press still around? It is, but it is a shadow of what Small it was. Scale. I mean, it has shrunk so much. As writers, great writers started off with them and then were picked up by bigger publishers or they moved on to film, TV, or just other marketing and shit work. But I came to this book when I was in my teens, late teens, yeah. type thing. And this, this type of writing is... We were talking about Pineapple Express, finding like books that you, or movies that we enjoyed when we were younger that we kind of interacted with and go like, this is the perfect story for the time we're in now. Mm. And I feel rereading this to get, yeah, to talk about it, I was slightly worried. Like I own them all, I'm never gonna get rid of them because they're like a, a time capsule of how I was feeling in that time. But I was worried the humor wouldn't hold up. No. But it is so well paced, the jokes in it. It's not dick and fart jokes, it's almost highbrow taking the piss out of lowbrow, taking the piss out of lowbrow's take on highbrow. So the dead air is me trying to understand that. Can you break that sentence down for me? It's basically, it's taking the piss out of how everyone thinks they look at the world. Okay. More than just when I'm punching down or I'm punching up. It's kind of like, why the fuck are you punching? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. Um, so is the story wait in the terms of because you asked me I do is there ask an you. over I do is, ask of you is there, a, is there an overriding arc is there a, is, do the stories go into each other or are they self-contained episodes no. so in the first two volumes they're self-contained self-contained individual issues that just happen to be collected in two separate uh, graphic novels of that's when they were printed in their runs three issues in 99 three issues in 2000s and then I think I want to say 2002 maybe 2004 okay I could probably just open the comic book and have a look but let's have a <laughs> guess uh, there was a longer run uh, called Monkey Tales which was a six issue uh, story which had an overarching miniseries story mm. where again it's Barry interacting with the world but each individual issue has a knock-on effect on each one okay it's good it's different pacing and when I read it and I was younger I didn't recognize that it was so different because I was picking up these books in a different random order type 
type thing. Like I, I picked up uh, volume two, and then I read Monkey Tales, and then I reread the first set of individual stories. So I didn't quite understand how he was writing it. Okay. But then now rereading it, I understand like Monkey Tales is a six-issue miniseries that works in connecting each individual issue to each other, whereas the the original published books that he was doing were single issues. The guy has gone on to write the Marvel Exile series. He created the Exile series. Really? Yes. So I was going to ask what other stuff has he done? So he's a writer otherwise, he doesn't do the illustrations. No, he moves out of art, out of doing the writing in art, uh, to do just writing. Mm. So he's an ideas man. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, like you read the Exiles, which is like, what if a bunch of disparate X-Men type characters or superheroes get travel from universe to universe to universe? Mm. It's like a Sliders or a, like a different world type thing. So you can have a crazy idea of what if Wolverine has ten arms type thing. Mm. So he's an ideas guy. But if you've read the Exiles, you'll understand there is a slight overarching story, but it has individual tales. Right. Okay. That's cool. And how many volumes did this run for? You said three. There's three, three volumes. Novels. Three volumes. You can read the first two volumes individually, just pick them up in whatever order, and then the third volume, Monkey Tales, mm. which was annoyingly, uh, they broke down in graphic novel form as two three-issue graphic novels, which doesn't make sense because it's one overarching story. Mm. It's just money, money, money. Yeah, I understand. The so when do you, if it, because you said it's a closed series, when it came to the end of its run, did he end it in a way that made sense or did it just suddenly stop? It was just the end of the tale, end of the story. There is a weird kind of emotional catharsis at the end of it. Uh, I'm not going to ruin it. Yeah. Because yeah. I recommend you read it. But... It just ends. It it ends in the same way as like any individual one-off monster of the week ends. Kind of like it's just a continue. It's just this is the world we live in type thing. But there is a there is a a toll given to Barry's character at yeah. the end of this story of Monkey Tales that is just left there. That you could kind of pick up. Then if he did write something else, it wouldn't have to continue on from that. But if you'd read it, you'd understand there's a depth of the character. Oh, okay, so the character does grow. Things happen. They change his personality as the story progresses. It doesn't. He doesn't grow, but you, the reader, have picked up certain little. You learn about him. You learn about him, but he doesn't grow so much as change. Uh, no, that does sound really interesting. Actually, I want to try it out. I mean, I'm trying to get this weird blend of. Rick and Morty in Dexter's laboratory out of my head. I'm, I'm sure it's like much more than just the summation of those two. No, it, it, it's, it's a pretty good place to start off with it. Yeah. I it, mean, what, what level of comedy would you say is adult comedy? Is that aimed oh, at like, a young audience? What? If you were going to describe it comedy-wise, it's like when you have a, an adult joke in a kid's book, uh, in a kid's movie. Right. Okay. It's bawdy enough. So it might go over the heads of the children, but the adults are like, "Yeah, thanks for keeping me involved." What? Yes. Yes. But that's all the way through, not just like one offs. Oh yeah, all the way through. Hold on, let me see if I can that page and that page. Mm -hmm. I know it's not great radio, but like Yeah, yeah, alright, fine. So it's like it's like it's like sixteen year olds plus in terms of the target audience. It's comedy, it's adult. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Yeah, it was quite funny actually from the two pages that I read. I'll, gi I'll give it a crack, yeah, send it down to me. So that's Barry Ween, Boy Genius, Rick and Morty meets... Dexter's Laboratory. Dexter's Lab that has a... Dry-humping one. Yeah, <laughs> that has a wonderfully earnest take on youth. 
uh, yeah. youth, youth and enthusiasm and just grounding yourself and just taking the piss out of conventions. Now I really want to I want to read it uh, mainly so that I can then go back and revisit the Exiles series and see if any of his original work kind of lends, its and oh, lends base, itself basically to morph. his writing. Yeah. You'll notice the character Jeremy is basically morph. Okay, cool. Not basically, but like... You that can see parallels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, we've been talking about One Punch Man and... Barry Ween. The Adventures of Barry Ween, Boy Genius by Judd Winnick. Cool. Hopefully you've enjoyed the episode. Um, again, uh, like, subscribe, comment, whatever it is that people say at the end of podcasts. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook. We're on Twitter. And, yeah, we're on Twitter. We're, we're on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, what are yeah. we twitting about? I, I just post the episodes. Really? Yeah. Okay. We've got two followers. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it you and Liz? No, it's not. It's two random guys, actually. What? Yeah. yeah. You need to give me access to that Twitter. No. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.